Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. Welcome everybody in Knoxville. If you've got a Bible, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We started a sermon series last Sunday uh, called Keep Your Eye on the Ball. And the idea behind this series is that the ball is our purpose as followers of Jesus. And the purpose that God has given to us is that we would first and foremost glorify him that we would love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves, And we do that best when we embrace what we call the Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so when we say, keep your eye on the ball, the idea is that you and I are called to be a witness, that you and I are called to share our faith with other believers. We're called to have spiritual conversations with people in and around our influence. And so keep your eye on the ball. That's what the series is all about. Uh, Acts 1.8, uh, we, re we read last week that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now let's just be reminded today that he doesn't call you to you know, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you can be an attorney or so that you can be a teacher or that you can be a doctor or fill in the blank, whatever you are. He calls us and gives us the power of the Holy Spirit so that you and I might be a witness. And what does a witness do? We learned last week that a witness is somebody that just gives personal evidence of their experience, what they've seen, what they've heard. So when I say be a witness this week, you're essentially telling people what God has done in your life, explaining to people who the God of the Bible is, explaining what the gospel is, sharing essentially how God has transformed your life. I wanna start with this statement today because I believe it's true. The moment you became a Christian, God gave you a new mission. You didn't understand what that new mission was the day that you received Christ. You didn't quite understand it. Uh, but as you have matured and as you grow, you begin to grasp more and more what the mission of God is. And, and he has given you a mission, no doubt about it. But when I use the word mission, oftentimes in the church, we have it confused. We think, you know, of missionaries. And if you grew up in church, you probably have this understanding that or concept that a missionary is somebody who goes to the jungles of South America or Africa, lives in a hut, you know, to tell people about Jesus. And certainly that is a, a great example, but the reality is every single one of us, if you call yourself a Christian, if God has saved you from your sin and you are a follower of Jesus, you're a missionary. And so the idea is that God would send us to work, to school, to our families, to our neighborhood, to the ballparks that your kids play in, around the parents that you hang out with. And you are a missionary in that environment. You are sent by God to live your life. And as you go into those environments, you're called to be a witness. You're called to share what God has done in your life. And in order to do that, you're gonna have to have courage. You can't be a wimp, can't be a sissy, can't be afraid to get canceled. You can't be afraid of offending people because you don't use the right pronouns. You have to have courage, amen? amen. 
Uh, when I was a kid uh, playing baseball, um, I was, I, I played infield, but then I also, uh, I tried my best to be a pitcher. And so I remember in seventh grade, uh, I was pitching for one game and uh, we were playing a team that had Big Bad Tony on the other team. Uh, now, you don't know Tony, but, at, but you had a Tony somewhere in your childhood. Tony was the kid that like was bigger and stronger and he, he like had a mustache by seventh grade. That was Tony. He had a receding hairline by eighth grade. And uh, he, was, he was good and he was just bigger and stronger. And so he was known in this little league that he's gonna hit at least one home run a game. Well, I, I, I was like, not, not today, Tony, not today, right? I'm pitching. And so I remember being so nervous when he got up to bat and, and uh, I remember like my first two pitches weren't even close because I didn't want him to hit a home run on me. And so two, two balls to start with. And, and then, you know, the next pitch was across the plate and he was just looking for the perfect pitch. You know, he was just being patient, but I got a strike. And I was like, all right, I'm in business. I am in business. I've got a strike on Tony. And so I said, you know what? I'm gonna send him the heater. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him everything I got right now. I'm gonna show everybody who Trent Stewart is. And so I leaned back and I just remember having so much energy and adrenaline. And I remember throwing the ball as hard as I possibly could. The blood just rushes down your arm into your hand. I threw it as hard as I could and he crushed it. I mean, just sends it. I lost it, held my head in shame. And then I heard two great words by the umpire. Foul ball! <laughs> I was like, yes! Right, now I got two strikes on this guy. Uh, next pitch, threw it far and away. Now it's full count. And now I'm thinking, all right, this is what dreams are made of, right? I'm gonna be talking about this story in 35-ish years. And I said, I'm gonna strike this guy out. Today's my day. And I looked at my coach and he gave me the sign, walk Tony, <laughs> throw it away, man. Do not throw it to him again. I ignored, pretend like I didn't see the coach. And I said, this is my day. I'm gonna take my shot. And again, I leaned back and I threw it as hard as I possibly could. It was the hardest, fastest ball any seventh grader has ever thrown in the history of Little League. And Tony hit that ball so far, it is still somewhere in the orbit. Like it was gone so far that there was like a concession stand out in the back of center field. It went over the concession stand. And I remember, I remember going to the dugout and just everybody giving me a hard time and making fun of me because I ignored what the coach said to, to take my shot. And you know what, here's the deal. Like sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Sometimes, you know, you're gonna have a conversation with somebody about your faith and it's not gonna go great. Sometimes you're gonna mess up. Sometimes, you know, Maybe they get uh, angry at you or you're offensive. But sometimes, you know, it's gonna be a great conversation. Sometimes it's gonna lead to people coming to faith in Christ. Sometimes it's gonna lead to prayer. Sometimes it's gonna lead to a, a, a really deep spiritual conversation that changes your life. But if you never take your shot, you're never gonna know. If you never have the courage to have a spiritual conversation, 
If you never say, you know what, I'm not gonna be afraid of what the other side, you know, how they're gonna receive this. I'm gonna do what I'm called to do. I wanna be a witness and I'm gonna tell people about what God has done in my life. If, you've never, if you're never gonna do that, then you're never gonna know what it's like to partner with your creator, for him to use you in a spiritual way, for him to use you as a mouthpiece for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then see people's lives transformed. We just sang a song about believing, but so many Christians don't believe. They don't believe, and, and today I, I want you to be encouraged, I want you to be challenged, to, to take your shot, to, to get in the game and, 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 and play, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter five, we're gonna start in verse six, so let's read together. He says, so we are always of what here? Here's the word that I want us to see today. We're of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. In other words, while we're alive on this earth, we're away from the Lord, right? We're home in our bodies. Verse seven, for we walk by, say it with me, faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, right? Too many Christians walk and live their life by sight, right? They, they look around them and they see like things look like they're out of control. We, we, we live by sight when we watch the news and listen to political podcasts and, and you know, whatever your, your you know, social media feed is, you're seeing a lot of things that discourage you and you, you think the world is, is just going to hell in a handbasket and it's just like overwhelming sometimes, but we don't live by sight, we're called to live by faith. We're called to believe that God can actually save the prodigal, amen? We're actually called to believe that God can use our story to bring people to faith. We actually believe that God is still in control. We believe that God can do the impossible. We walk by faith and so we're, we know that, that, that God is working in someone's life. We know that God is working all around us. We know that he has a plan. And so we're, we're, we're walking in such a way that we are partnering with him as a witness for him. And so we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Yes, we are of, here it is again, we have good courage. We have good courage because of our faith. We have good courage and then he continues, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, we'd rather be at home in heaven. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So we can have courage because we can actually please God. Think about how amazing that is, that God could at any moment ever get joy or, or, or be pleased with my sinful, broken messed up life. How could God ever be pleased with anything that I could do? And he says, there, there's a way that you can please God. You can have courage that if you are a witness, that if you take this seriously, that if you walk in this truth, you can actually please God. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due, right? What is due? for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, now this is talking to Christians. Paul's talking to Christians here. And so this isn't like the, 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 the judgment where we're judged on our sin because as 
Believers, Jesus paid for our sin. So this is a judgment where we will get what we deserve as far as rewards. What is due for, for the, the courage that you took to please God, right? And to embrace the great commission, right? This is a good thing. Like we get rewards and so we can have courage because we can please God. We can have courage because we're gonna be rewarded by God. We can have courage because we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. And so rewards are coming. This is all good, setting us up for this next section, verse 11. Therefore, because of all of that, because we walk by faith, because we can have courage in that faith, we know we're gonna get rewards. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we do what? We persuade, right? We're afraid of persuade. We're afraid of that word. Well, I don't want to talk anybody into giving their life to Jesus. I do. It's like the greatest thing they will ever do. We're called to persuade them using the scripture, persuading them that God is the answer. This is what he tells us to do. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves. We're not bragging about ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those Right? So to answer those who boast about outward appearance. So to give an answer to the world who only looks at the outward appearance. The world only cares about what you look like, what color skin you have, and how pretty you are, or, you know, what you're wearing, or you know, what your clothes are, your shoes are. That's what the world cares about, outward appearance. But when we read the New Testament, when we read the Bible, God over and over again says, I don't care what you look like or what you're wearing. He cares about what's on the inside. He cares about our hearts. That's what matters. And so Paul is here, he's saying, I want you to be ready to give an answer to all those people in the world who only care about the external, who only look at the outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. Verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God if we are in our right minds. In other words, Paul, they thought he was crazy when he, when he was talking about the gospel. They thought the world thinks you're, you're crazy for believing in Jesus. But he's like, no, no, no. I'm in my right mind when I talk about the gospel. Verse 14, for the love of Christ does what? For the love of Christ makes me feel good. For the love of Christ is important to me on Sunday morning. No, the love of Christ, he says, controls me. It's a big difference. Does the love of Christ control you? Has it consumed you? Has it filled you in that way? He says, the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. This is huge. That one has died for all. Jesus died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but instead that we might live for him right? This is who we're living for. Jesus, who for their sake died and raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, you know, we're not just worried about the here and now, the physical body, you know, what we're, we're not just focused on that. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we only saw him as like a person, but now it goes deeper. We regard him no longer. Therefore, if anyone, is in it, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So this is the spiritual. 
He's, he's not talking, he's like, I'm not looking at the outer flesh. We're talking about the inside. Have they become a new creation? Because that's what Jesus does when he saves them. Verse 18, all this is from God, right? Through Christ, reconciled, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Let's count those words, that's one. And gave us the ministry, secondly, of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling. There it is again. The Bible repeats itself, it's kind of a big deal. Take notice. He was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, their sin against them. And then he entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because he's given us that that ministry of reconciliation, we are ambassadors. That's what I wanna talk about today that you and I are ambassadors for Christ. And what that means is God is making his appeal through you. The God of the universe is speaking through you when you're a witness to someone else. We implore you. In other words, get pumped up, man. Get excited, we're we're challenging you. This is a big deal. We implore you, come on, come on, come on. You, we implore you on behalf of Christ then, be reconciled to God. So first of all, have you been reconciled to God? Has God saved you? Has God forgiven you of your sin? Have you truly committed your life to Christ? If not, be reconciled to God today. Discover what it means to to be a new creation by allowing the grace of God to save you from your sin. Be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned, but he became sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's what he's telling us. You and I, as followers of Jesus, you're an ambassador for Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ. Now, what is an ambassador? It's just simply a representative of God with his message. Uh, Technically, you know, if we're looking for a definition, uh, um, an ambassador is a respected official acting as a representative of one nation sent to another nation. And the ambassador's role is to reflect the official position of the nation that gave them authority with that message to another nation. Do you follow that? (laughs) In a nutshell, we are the representative of God. He has given us a message. He has sent us to a foreign land, this, this world, the world that we live in, And we take into this world the message of reconciliation, to be reconciled to someone, right? So you're you're in a fight with somebody and you're at odds with them and to reconcile that relationship that that you would would have either a mediator comes in and says, hey, Trent, man, he didn't mean this. And hey, buddy, he he didn't mean this. Don't you guys forgive each other and let's, let's, let's make amends, right? And so then they forgive each other and now they're reconciled in this relationship, right? Well, as a, uh, we're all born into sin. You weren't born a child of God. You were born a child of wrath. And so you were not reconciled to God. You were an enemy of God. You lived for you. You didn't live for God. And so that's why Paul says, be reconciled to God. And the only way that you can do that is by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He became sin, paid the debt 
that you owed to God because of your sin. And when you confess sin to him and he saves you, by faith, now you are reconciled to God. You can have a relationship with God. You can live with God forever in heaven. Apart from Jesus, apart from faith, you can't be reconciled to God. And so he says, I, I want you to be an ambassador of this message. You were reconciled to God. Now you have the ministry of reconciliation to help other people make amends and be reconciled to God through Jesus. God says, here's my plan. You're gonna spread the good news about Jesus. You're gonna go to work and you're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna go to the ball field and you're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna go to the same grocery store and you're gonna see the same people working there and you're gonna be my witnesses. I'm gonna give you a family. I'm gonna give you some neighbors. I'm gonna send people into your path throughout the week that you weren't expecting at the gas station or at the mall or wherever I am. And they're gonna say something and it's gonna trigger you to say, you know what? This person needs to be encouraged with the gospel. This person needs to think a little bit deeper about what they're saying. And I'm gonna be a witness. I'm gonna share what God has done in my life with them. What's plan B, God? There is no plan B. God is gonna save people through your testimony, through your witness, through your words. And if you don't, they don't believe. Romans 10, 14 says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? He said, this is God's plan. This is why we have to keep our eye on the ball because this is God's plan to save the people in your life from their sin. This is God's plan to help our country move forward. This is God's plan to help our community move forward. People need to experience the power and grace of Jesus Christ, and he's called you to be the missionary. He's called you to be the witness. It's not just something that preachers do. It's not just something that paid professionals do. This is something that every single one of us who claim the name of Jesus must do. One statistic by George Barna said this, in 1993, nine out of 10 Christians agreed that every Christian had a responsibility to share their faith. So in the Christian church, nine out of 10, 90% of Christians believed it was their responsibility to share the gospel. Today, only 64% of Christians say it's our responsibility. I don't know what's happening but I hope after this series, everybody in our church, 100% of you would say it is our responsibility to share the gospel. The world is gonna tell you to shut up and to keep it to yourself, but you can't listen to the world. You don't live by sight, you live by faith. And so we have to be vocal, you have to share. He starts here by talking about the fear of the Lord. And, and, and that's important because our fears of the Lord, not of what, people are gonna say about us? Why are we so afraid of people canceling us or people calling us Jesus freaks or we're afraid of offending somebody because we don't use the right pronoun? Like what happened to us as a, as a people that care so much about what other people think? Well, I don't wanna be seen as a this or a that. Look at, whoa, we have to, you're, you're a grown man. You're a grown woman who loves Jesus. We're talking about 
eternity. So if you don't like me, I'm, you know, I'm still going to sleep good tonight. If you don't believe what I believe, man, my wife loves me and, 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 and I love the, the job that God has given me to do. And that's good enough for me right now. And, and some of us have to get over our, our, our fear of what people are going to say or do. And, 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 and I feel like we're just a bunch of scaredy cats scared on social media. You're scared to post something. You're scared to, you know, lose business. And Christ is calling us into a, a, a deeper faith. He's called you to be an ambassador, right? A representative. So here's what that looks like. Three statements today. An ambassador for Christ, his life or her life is a life that's driven by Christ. And so we live a Christ-driven life. Those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, right? So many of us, maybe we're saved, but we still live for ourselves. We don't live for him. And the great thing about knowing Jesus is that he frees you from the bondage of living for yourself because that is a very boring life. If all you do is live for yourself, you're gonna be miserable. Trying to find the next high, trying to find the next fun thing. If you're just trying to find success and, and, and accomplish your goals, if that's all you're after, you're, you're going to live a miserable, boring life because you were created for so much more. Christ died so that you wouldn't have to live for yourself and be miserable and to be separated from God. He wants you to understand that you can find life by living for him, living a Christ-driven life. C.S. Lewis noted that our great problem in life is, is not really not trusting in God. Our problem is not trusting in God alone. And there's a lot of truth to that I find with Christians today. We believe in God or we trust God, but we don't trust in God alone. And that's evidence when we go through a really difficult time. I mean. When you go through a health concern and the only person, doctors can't help you, the only person that can help you is God, now you're gonna reveal essentially in that moment where your heart is and, and, and what really drives you. When you get to a point in your life where you're emotionally just spent, you know, are you, are you turning, what, what are you turning to in those moments? Or are you at the end of your rope in that moment and, and you reveal that you are Christ-driven? Like I am, I'm running to God. He's the only one that can help me. So often we, we just don't trust in God alone. We run to idols. We run to these things in our life that we feel like we need and we feel like that we have to chase because we trust in them to give us happiness. We trust in them to, to give us meaning. We trust in them to, to give us money and joy. We're not trusting in God alone. Tim Keller puts it like this. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts. If I have that, then I'll feel like my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. If anything in life becomes more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life and identity, then it is an idol. Some of us are living for idols. I'll say it like this. 
Idolatry happens if you go from desiring something for happiness to requiring something for happiness. That's a big shift. Desiring something to have fun is, is one thing. and We should enjoy our life and, and the good gifts that God has given to us. But if we cross that line into now we are requiring a relationship, single people, in order to be happy. We're requiring more money in order to be happy. We're requiring you fill in the blank to be happy. Then it's become an idol and we're not living for God alone. We're not driven by Christ we're driven by material things. We're driven by the acceptance of people. We're driven by relationships. And he says that leads to emptiness and you can't be an ambassador for Christ, at least an effective one, if you're not driven by Jesus. If you're driven by acceptance and, and idols, we're not gonna experience the life that God's calling us to. I love how Jonathan Edwards says it. He says, the enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. The only happiness. Everything else is temporary happiness. He says, fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, or children, or the company of earthly friends are but shadows, but God is the substance. These are but scattered beans, but God is the sun. These are the streams, but God is the ocean. He says, all the relationships that we have, our family, our kids, our friendships, these are only shadows. These are only beams, right? God is the source. God is the ocean. God is the sun. The only way that we're ultimately going to be happy is when our soul finds satisfaction in him. And that only happens when we rely upon Christ and we're living a Christ-driven life. Some of us are driven by idols today. We've got to smash them. Secondly, Ambassadors of Christ are motivated by the love of Christ. In verse 14, he says, for the love of Christ controls us. Does the love of Christ control us? That's a great question. Has it so filled us? Has it so just encapsulated our soul and our mind and our heart that it changes the course and direction of our life? The author of this is Paul. Paul was constrained. He's controlled by the love of Christ. He isn't just saying that he loves Jesus. What he is saying is that the love of Jesus has so filled his soul that it directs his life. It directs his purpose. Decisions we make, jobs that you take, schools you attend, things that you do are, are filtered through the love of Christ. Is this what God wants me to do? How can we tell if the love of Christ has filled us and it comes back to, are we loving God? Are we loving people? Are we loving others well? Are we genuinely concerned about others? Are we concerned about their spiritual eternity? Are we concerned enough to you know, risk a little bit of rejection in order to say something spiritual or to have a spiritual conversation with someone? Do we genuinely care about the souls of men and women? Uh, two words I want you to remember, invest and invite. Invest and invite. I want, I want you to remember this because it's an easy way for you just to kind of every day know that I'm on mission because I'm investing in the relationships around me. I'm building this relationship. And I'm also at the right time, I'm inviting them to something significant. You might invite them to church. You might invite them to your small group. You might invite them 
to go grab coffee or lunch to talk about a spiritual issue. You invite them to pray about whatever it is they're concerned about. We're investing. We genuinely care about you. We love you. We want to be friends with you. We're not just trying to convert you. We're trying to care for you. We genuinely care. So we invest, we invest, we invest. And then we're always inviting, inviting to have conversations, inviting to church. You engage in these spiritual conversations and you'll be amazed at how God uses you as a mouthpiece to begin to see lives around you impacted. You've got about 10 to 20 seconds Someone says something about what they believe. Someone says something about church. Someone says something about God. And you've got about 10 or 20 seconds. It's in that moment that you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit, you know, say, say something, say something. And you're either gonna say something or you're gonna say, not say anything, right? But you're making that decision in about 10 seconds because after 10 to 20 seconds, the moment is gone. And then it's like, you can't go back to it. <laughs> it's awkward. Hey, you remember what you said about 10 minutes ago? No weirdo, <laughs> you know, okay, I missed it. But in that moment, if you have courage to play, if you have courage to be a witness, it's in that moment, in those conversations that you can do a couple of things. You can get people thinking in terms of their spiritual life. And so you can have a spiritual conversation with someone based on a hurt or a pain that they express. Maybe a belief that they say, you know, someone might say, do you really believe in God? And instead of just like preaching, I want to encourage you just to ask questions and be curious. Just say this. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Write that down. Well, what do you mean by God? Who do you think God is? And then they'll go off on who they think God is. And it's probably going to be way different from what we know God is and what he's like from the Bible. And then you can say, well, that's actually, you know, what, what you think God is is actually different than the Bible. Did you know that? No. What do you mean? Oh, now we're having a conversation. You know, do you, do you, I, I believe in evolution. Oh, really? What, what, what do you mean by evolution? See, most people just use slogans that they've learned in this culture to say things because they've chosen a side. But all, all, all we really need to do is get people to think a little bit deeper about what they believe. And, and, and as you ask questions, why? Why do you believe that? Where's the evidence for that? Tell me more about that. Why do you think that way? Now, all of a sudden, they're, they're in this, well, you know, I know, I don't know. Now all of a sudden, there's no anchor to, to what they believe. They're, they're just believing slogans. And so it's part of our role, right? It's part of our role to have these conversations. I wanna encourage you to have these conversations. Um, a lot of people are afraid that these are gonna be arguments and it's gonna be tense. And we see this on social media. There's a group in our culture that just wants to shout you down and yell. Right? Jesus says, don't throw pearls to, to, to swine, right? So we're, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good conversation, but there are people at work that genuinely want to have a spiritual conversation. They genuinely are asking questions and God's gonna lead you to those moments. And so I wanna encourage you to take advantage of them. Uh, one of the things in our summer Bible study we're gonna talk about is how to have more conversations like this. And so uh, I think some of you, uh, will join me and it'll be a great study. But for now, I want you to see that ambassadors are controlled by the love of Christ. And then thirdly and finally, ambassadors for Christ persuade others to trust Christ. You say, persuade? I don't, I, are you sure? Yeah, that's what I do every Sunday. I'm persuading you 
right? I'm trying to persuade you to give your life to Jesus, persuade you to abandon the world and walk with Jesus. Every day I'm trying to persuade myself to give up my idols and walk away from my sin and trust Jesus, right? Verse 11, knowing the fear of the Lord, right? That's what I said. We don't, we don't fear man. We fear the Lord more. We persuade others. We've got to stop. We, we have to stop as, as a people, as followers of Jesus, so afraid of not having a friend or, or them not wanting us to come over anymore, not getting invited to the party, right? We worried about that in middle school and in high school. Like at some point as an adult, you, you have to not care if they're gonna invite you to the after work party. And you might look at that as, hmm, that's actually a compliment. <laughs> you know what, I'm not gonna go, right? We've gotta persuade one of the reasons why we can have courage in these spiritual conversations is because we fear the Lord, not man. And so we, we reason, we persuade, and that means we're gonna have to take initiative, initiative to, to pray for, for people that are in our office and in our family and close by that, that don't know Jesus. And so I hope you have a list. In small group, when you guys, hey, what are we gonna pray about? You know, it seems like we always turn to the physical needs. Who's in the hospital? Aunt Flossie's big toe hurts her. Let's pray for her today. And it's like, all right, we can pray for her again. But, but like, let's pray for people to come to faith. Let's pray for my coworker who, who's an atheist. Let's pray that, that they understand and hear the gospel. And, you, and God uses me to be a witness to them. Let's pray for them. Let's initiate those conversations. Let's study and, 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 and learn more. Instead of watching so much Netflix, let's read the Bible. Instead of watching so much social media, let's read a book on apologetics and, 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 and why we believe what we believe and, and grow in our knowledge. We, we've got to understand scripture to point people to the truth. It's really hard to fulfill the biblical commands when we're not ready to persuade people. Here's one example, Colossians 4, 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in how you act and, and make the most of every opportunity. To do what? To share the love of Christ, to be a witness. How can we take advantage of every opportunity if we don't really understand the Bible ourselves? If, if we, we haven't reserved in our mind that we are gonna take advantage in that 10 second window to ask the question, you know, tell me more about that. Why do you believe that? you know, and engage in that. Um, how many of you guys are gardeners? Anybody gardening this spring, digging up the ground? I wouldn't say I'm a gardener. Uh, I've got a couple of tomato plants and a couple of fruit trees, okay? So I got something, got a little activity going on. Um, and so yesterday I was digging up weeds, right? And, and tilling the ground and, and uh, Bermuda grass, man, I hate Bermuda grass. It just takes off. And, and uh, so I'm ripping all this Bermuda grass out and all these weeds so that I can plant my tomatoes. And, and I was just reminded, like, my hands are in the, you know, the cold dirt. And I'm just like, you know, pretty much I, I clear the land and then I, I drop a seed in there and I cover it up. And, and I nurture it a little bit, right? I mean, I got I to gotta give some water. But that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> You know, we, we plant seeds and then miraculously 
God grows these plants out of the ground and we eat. Have you ever just sat back and let, let that blow your mind? <laughs> like, that's amazing. How does that happen? I don't know. Just tomatoes, boom, come out of the ground just like that. And I was thinking about how that relates to today's message. And I'm just like, man, you're a gardener. You know, we, we all want to be Billy Graham. We want to be a harvester. Give your life to Jesus. And thousands of people stand up and we go, yeah, <laughs> I did it. But like 99% of our life, 99.9% .9 of our life is us tilling up the ground and planting seeds. You don't get to decide how big the plant grows. You don't get to decide you can't make it grow. You don't get to decide how big the harvest is. You don't get to decide how many, you know, tomatoes grow in the plant. God does all of that. But he has called you to be a gardener. He's called you to have courage to play, to take your shot, to ask questions, to have conversations, to share your faith, to fear him, not to fear man. And I think that when we begin to do that, I think that when we understand that's what God is calling us to, then we can, can allow our purpose and we can allow the fear that we might have to dissipate because God just wants you to share what he's done in your life. And I think you can do that. In fact, I, I wanna challenge you today. I wanna challenge you that, that, yeah, that you would recognize you're a representative of God. You're an ambassador and you're called to share this message. You're called to be a witness. And so would you take this challenge? Would you have one spiritual conversation this week? In that 10 to 20 seconds, when someone says something about a hurt, a pain, something about faith, something about their opinion about something that you would jump in and say, well, why do you believe that? And boom, have a conversation where well, you're asking questions, right? Just asking questions, diving deeper. Why do you believe that? Why do you think that? What do you mean by that? I think that if thousands of people at Foothills Church would have thousands of spiritual conversations this week, that's how this community has changed. That's how Knoxville has changed. That's how this country has changed. But Satan wants you to isolate yourself and he wants you to be afraid of people. He wants you to be afraid of the message of Jesus. Jesus said that we're the salt and light of the earth. So Jesus calls, says that the, the light in us needs to shine in this world. And Satan wants to just cover that up so that we would just, you know, just kind of do our thing, focus on our comfort, focus on our, our entertainment. But we're, we're called to a spiritual battle and your neighbors need you, your coworkers need you. If they reject God, they're not rejecting you. If they reject God, okay, on to the next, right? I'm still gonna love, still gonna be here when you need me. But if they shut you down, okay, now you know, but there is, a listening ear that's close by. And my prayer this week is that that listening ear crosses your path and you have a choice to make. Will you engage? Will you engage? I pray that you will. Let's stand and let's pray together. As I pray, would you just pray that God would give you courage and boldness, that God would give you an opportunity to hear from him and to have a conversation with someone this week. Let's pray together. Father, 
God, we pray that you would make us bold, that you would give us courage, that we would, we would feel the Holy Spirit inside of us this week, in that moment, in that opportunity, to ask a question, to follow up with someone, to share our story, to share how you've changed our life. God, help us to keep our eye on the ball this week and not get discouraged. Help us to know, Lord, that you've called us to a bigger purpose. Help us to embrace that purpose. And God, we praise you and we'll give you all the glory. Use us in a great way. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.